Welcome to Fair Talk, where we set out to provide enduring discussions on contemporary topics relevant to our economy, with particular emphasis on food, agriculture, and the environment. My name is Brady Deaton, Jr. of the Department of Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics at the University of Guelph. I'll be your host. Today is November 18th, 2014, and we'll be speaking to Dr. Richard Vine about his research examining the effects of wind turbines on property values in Ontario. Dr. Richard Vine is Assistant Professor in the Department of Food, Agriculture, and Resource Economics at the University of Guelph at the Ridgetown campus. Rich, welcome to Fair Talk. Thanks, Brady. Happy to be here. Rich has written an article recently that's appeared in the Canadian Journal of Agriculture Economics examining this issue. And for those of you tuning in, we will be doing this podcast in a different way in the sense that we are in a classroom at the University of Guelph looking and talking with students about this issue, and they will be asking the questions to Rich about his research. So let me begin by handing over the microphone to one of the students who will begin asking the first question. Hello, Richard. Uh, Before we focus on the effects of wind turbines on surrounding property values, can you give us a general background on wind turbines in the province? Sure, yeah. The... uh The wind energy industry in Ontario has been developing at a fairly rapid pace and uh, and that's that's come about for a couple of reasons. One of the the main push or the primary push behind this would be the Ontario government with the Green Energy and Green Economy Act, and that sort of spurred the uh, the, the push to get more energy from renewable resources and so we've seen a, a considerable expansion in the wind energy industry as a result. This, uh, this has led to a number of issues, and we've seen this uh, most recently. There's, there was a, uh, a study that was put out just last week by the, uh, by the government that looked at the impact of the wind turbines on health. And they didn't find any, uh, anything significant there in terms of uh, some, some obvious linkages between health issues and the wind turbines, but there, there's still some concerns. They're, they raised the issue of the, the annoyance factor. Uh, either way, though, this this is uh, this has certainly led to a lot of controversy in Ontario. There's a lot of a uh, lot of local residents that have uh, have have complained about the impacts either on health or on property values, on the inability to sell properties. Which are, all these issues are kind of linked, uh, but ultimately it's, it's led to this uh, this this escalating controversy about uh, well, what the impacts of these wind turbines are. Added to the mix is the fact that a lot of places where wind farms are put up, the uh, the, the municipality can't really reject it. Uh, they have they can be called unwilling hosts, but uh, but ultimately it's up to the the province to decide whether or not a wind farm application is going to go through. So that's sort of a bit of the background that's led to uh, these uh, these concerns about the potential impacts on uh, on not only health but also on property values, and uh, th- that sort of led to my interest in this in this subject area too. To see, well, I mean, we we have all these concerns that have been raised. I mean, you you look at any any story in the in the popular press, uh, they, there's a lot of uh, a lot of concerns that are expressed there. So what's actually happening? And that's that's kind of what I wanted to take a look at. Can you tell us a bit about why your study focused on the Melanchon or Melanchon Township? Yeah, the Melanchthon Township. Yeah, it's uh, that was that's where I started because that's what I had data for. Um, it was uh, data that uh, 
that included farm sales and rural residential sales. Uh, the time that I did the study, I didn't have data for anything beyond that township, at least in terms of where a wind farm was actually sited. Uh, I, d- I do now, and so that's that's kind of what I'm looking to do in the, the coming months is kind of expand this research. But uh, for, for the current study that we're looking at, yes, it was just for the Melanchthon Township. It was one of the, the first industrial wind farms that went up in the province of Ontario and kind of made a good, good place to start in terms of assessing the potential impacts of the turbines on property values. Now, Rich, correct me if I'm wrong, but when we were talking, Melanchthon Township would be a township in Dufferin County. Yes. Uh, kind of bordering Gray, is that right? Yes, Gray, uh, Gray, Gray County's next and, uh, and also bordering Wellington County. And this is primarily an agricultural, rural um, township? It's primarily rural, yes. There's, uh, the wind farm itself is situated pretty close to a small town, but, uh, but there, are, there are no large urban centers anywhere within visibility of the wind farm. Sorry. Your paper reviews previous research on the effects of wind turbines on property value. Um, so our question to you is if you can review any of this previous research tests. Sure, yeah. There's been a number of studies that have been conducted looking at uh, the same issue in other jurisdictions. And uh, there's the, the, the results of these studies have been largely mixed. We haven't seen any, uh, any particular trend that has tended to occur amongst these studies. Some studies have found evidence that, yes, there are significant impacts of wind turbines on property values, whereas others have not found any, any significant evidence. So we've seen, uh, yeah, just a, a fair bit of uh, mixed results in the literature. And, and because of that, it's, it becomes necessary to, uh, to conduct research on, on specific wind farms if you kind of want to have an idea as to what the impacts actually are. Uh, you can't you can't just rely on results of other jurisdictions just because those results, uh, you know, with with uh, both positive and no significant impacts, it's hard to tell what exactly the results might be for, in this case, uh, the Melanchthon Wind Farm. The uh, some of the previous research. Um used uh, a willingness to pay as one of the, uh, the, the methods of analysis. Um, before you get into uh, your method, uh, the hedonic method that you used, would you be able to shed some light on the willingness uh, to pay method? Sure, yeah. The willingness to pay basically is more of a survey approach in many cases where they, they'll, they'll go to local residents um, and they'll ask, you know, what, what has been the impact or what do you perceive to be the impact of these turbines on your property value or, or just uh, the general public they may ask, you know, if you were to be sited next to this wind turbine, what do you think the impact would be? So there, this approach looks more at the, uh, you know, sort of what people think is the impact, rather than looking at, the, uh, at any sales data. Now, if you go back to the, I mean, just uh, previous question, looking at the, the results of previous studies, there is, a, there is a difference in the results when you compare certain types of studies. So you mentioned the willingness to pay studies. Those studies are more likely to produce evidence of a, of a significantly negative impact on property values, whereas studies that use sales data uh, tend not to find evidence of, of, of impacts on property values. So there is that, that difference in previous studies. Hi, Dr. Vine. My name is Vanessa Cibrani. Um, my question to you is, can you explain the method that you used in this particular study um, in order to find out the effects on property values? Sure. I used uh, the hedonic method, which, uh, which is a regression approach where you basically make the, the price a function of the set of attributes that, uh, that the property has. So, you know, if you have a, a house on the property, it would take a whole bunch of individual attributes of that house, you know, the square footage, number of baths, 
bathrooms, number of fireplaces, uh, look at the, the size of the property itself, uh, and the value of any other buildings on the property, sheds, and so on. Uh, basically, take as many possible attributes, and, uh, and it basically determines how much value each attribute contributes to the, the total value of the property. And so that's, that's an approach that's been used for a lot of different valuation studies. Uh, it's, it, it tends to be a fairly effective approach in identifying what the value is associated with a specific attribute. So in this case, I'm looking at not only the attributes of the house itself, also the, the location, you know, how close is it to a uh, city, uh, and then also how close is it to a turbine, or, or trying to find some attribute that accounts for the potential impacts of turbines. So this approach has been used for uh, other types of studies where you're, where you're trying to find, you know, for example, the impact of living close to uh, toxic waste sites, uh, how, if you're living close to, uh, to, to high-voltage transmission wires, so a whole, whole bunch of different uh, types of amenities or perceived disamenities to determine what the impact might be of, of living close to those types of, uh, of sites. Were any of the attributes that you chose particularly unique to your study versus other uh, wind turbine studies? Well, the, uh, the the method I used to account for the turbines itself was a little different than than had been uh, been performed in previous studies. Um, typically, the previous studies have looked at you know the either the distance to turbines or distance from the turbine to the, the property in question, or they looked at the, the visibility. I kind of uh, came up with a metric that combined those two, because if you, if you think about it, well, the, the, the distance to a turbine might affect how, you know, the impact that it has on the property, but on the other hand, if the, the, the landscape is such that you can't actually see the turbine, then conceivably there wouldn't be as much of an impact relative to a property just as close where you can see the, 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 the entire turbine. And then similarly, if you can see the, the full turbine, but you're you know, three kilometers away, likely the impact would be greater for a property that can see the turbine that's just one kilometer away. So I try and account for the, the relationship between those two factors in this study. I also did use each, uh, each factor, the proximity and the visibility, separately in assessing the, the effects of turbines. You touched on this township as being one of the few that had the necessary data. So my question is, what data was necessary to run this study and where and how did you get it? The data I used is property sales data. And the reason that this was the one, at least at the time, the one county where we had sales data was just based on the data that we received, Brady and myself, from the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation. And we have, uh, we as part of the University of Guelph have a data sharing uh, agreement with the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation for, for sharing back and forth of data. So they'll send us property sales data, which we can use to, to run some of our analysis. And we've, we've in turn provided them with some additional data data that we've created based on uh, on their sales data. But ultimately, running this analysis depending, depended on getting that property sales data from MPAC, and it included not only in, in Dufferin County, but some of the, the neighboring counties' property sales data there as well. So MPAC had provided rural residential sales data as well as farm sales data. And... Again, this is something that, that hadn't been done previously, looked at kind of comparing the effects on farms versus uh, properties that are used more for residential purposes. The hypothesis would be that you know, you'd expect to see more of an effect on residential properties than farms. Farms are purchased not only to, to live in, but also to, to generate an income uh, where 
you may not expect to see as much of an impact uh, or as, as much value derived from the view. I should add that while the Municipal Property Assessment Corporation provided the data, the conclusions that came out of the study are not necessarily the views of MPAC. Hi, Rich. Megan Moore speaking. You mentioned some key variables like proximity uh, in your paper, and I was wondering how you measured those key variables. Yeah, the, the proximity variables, they're measured using a geographic information system software, which we ourselves didn't generate. We have somebody who takes the, uh, the location of the property and, in some cases, either the, the location of the city uh, or the location of the turbine, and then generates the distance in meters from, uh, from the property to each of these uh, locations. So using the, or at least the distance to the, to the nearest city was based on the road distance. So likely the, the most likely path you would take from the property to the city, how many kilometers is that or how many meters is that? And, and in there, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of studies that have looked at property values will include some type of location variable where you would expect the closer you are to an urban center, the, the higher the value would be. And so a similar approach is used for the distance to the turbine, except that in this case, we looked at the, the straight line distance. So you know, how far was it from the, the property to the nearest turbine? So this required uh, having the, the coordinates, the, the GIS coordinates for each of the turbines and then for each property in question, and then using those coordinates to, to generate the distance between them. And this is, this is sort of an approach that's, that's been used more and more in property value studies, use of uh, GIS. Uh, there's, you know, the, the data availability there is, is rapidly increasing, and it, uh, it really adds to the study, makes it a lot more robust, uh, instead of just sort of estimating what, uh, what a distance might be. Hi, Rich. Clark Stewart. Uh, I was wondering if you could review for us some of your key findings from your research and tell us how they differed from your original hypothesis. Sure. Now, when I started this study, I, I mean, I, you know, I'd heard some of the stories about what people had, uh, had said were happening to their property values as a result of the wind turbines. And so reading about some of these accounts made me sort of think, well, then if, if, an, if this many people are suggesting that these impacts have occurred, well, then there, there must be something that would be picked up by the results of this study. Um, that hypothesis wasn't supported by what I actually found, however. When I looked at both rural residential and, uh, and farm properties, I found that, uh, that no, no significant impacts were observed, um, you know, either by looking at the proximity or by the visibility or by the combination of those factors. So that was, uh, in, in a way, I mean, based on what we've heard, uh, a little surprising, um, given the rhetoric that's, that's occurred around this issue in Ontario. We, we may have expected to see more of a, of a negative impact, especially in close proximity to the turbines. But that, that, didn't, uh, that didn't take effect in the results of this study. What we found is that there's, there's no significant impacts. Um, you know, if you look at the... Uh, at the impacts that are there, you know, positive or negative, there's you know, slight either way, but but nothing that's uh, that's statistically significant. So that was that was a little surprising, but uh, and, and not in line with what we've heard from a lot of the news stories. But uh, but also, it's it's important information to have. I think I think it's uh, that, and that was another reason why I wanted to conduct this study was you know we've we've heard a lot about what people are claiming to be the effects, but. When we look at the actual sales data, what's it telling us? And in this case, the sales data is suggesting that there are no significant impacts of the wind turbines in, uh, in this case. 
Um, you mentioned that there were no significant impacts. How robust were these findings? And were these findings different for residential and agricultural property values? Well, first of all, they were not different for rural residential or for agricultural property values. In both cases, there were no significant impacts. In terms of the robustness, I did look at uh, a number of different uh, model specifications to try and ensure that the results were robust. So looked at different specifications of what uh, the post-turbine period would be. So the post-turbine period refers to the the period of time in which we would expect impacts to arise. And this, this is one of the trickiest variables to specify because when exactly would the impacts begin to arise? That depends on you know, what information is out there. I mean, obviously, when the, the, the turbines are actually up, you can see them and you would expect impacts to occur from that point onward. But what about before that? You know, there's, uh, there's, there can be an announcement effect. And so I, I looked at a number of different specifications for the post-turbine period. Uh, I didn't find any differences across these different specifications, but most, basically I looked at, first of all, the, the impact starting at you know, the time that construction began. So at that point in time, everybody could kind of see you know, where these turbines are going to be located. They may not be up yet, but you, if you're buying a house in the area, you can definitely see where they're going to be. I also looked at uh, the, the post-construction time period. So when all the turbines are actually up, and you can see them all, uh, so looking to see or specifying that as the post-turbine period, and then also looking at kind of the, the post-approval time period. So as soon as we know that this project's going forward, uh, things are starting to move ahead, then uh, people know that there's going to be turbines there. So it's possible that the impacts would start at that point in time. So for, for each of these scenarios, I didn't find any, any evidence of significant impacts. I also looked at a number of other ways to specify the model. I, I looked at just repeat sales, so basically where property is sold earlier in the time period that the data covers and then is sold again at a later point in time. The, the ideal scenario is where we have one of these sales occurring before the turbines went up and another sale occurring after. It makes for, for a great way to determine whether, the, uh, whether there's going to be significant impacts. And, and again, the, the results are the same. Now, the, the number of sales in close proximity is, uh, is, is relatively low. It's uh, not that it's any lower than anywhere else, but just when you're looking at a one-kilometer band around you know, the, the, the turbines, the, the number of sales is it's not huge in the post-turbine period. And so this, this may influence the results to some degree. Uh, there's... There's other, or other more recent studies that have just come out this year that have, uh, have included a much larger number of sales in closer proximity, uh, finding this the same results, in fact. But, uh, but that, that can be seen as a, as a limitation of the study, the fact that uh, you know, the, the numbers of sales isn't as high as we would like it to be. What do you think are the future needs for research within this area? Future needs of research in this area, I think that... It, we really need to continue to look at it for, for individual wind farms. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if we do find, we do at some point in Ontario find evidence of negative impacts of wind farms. The reason for this is just given the, the increasing attention this issue has drawn and just how people value properties. I mean, a lot of the value you place on a property is 
relatively subjective. So why does you know one property, which you know exact same house, you put it in a different location, why is the value any different? Because of how people perceive the, the differences in those locations. So in the past few years, there's been a uh, a, a big increase in the amount of concerns that are raised, you know, the public press articles that are that are expressing these concerns, and uh, and more and more people are hearing about these potential impacts. And so I'm wondering if this will eventually translate into observed impacts on property values. I mean, in one sense, you can only hear about uh, these impacts uh, again and again for so long before you actually start to believe that th- these impacts do actually exist. And, and it's not beyond the realm of possibility when you consider the fact that a large turbine has been put up, that maybe there would be impacts. If you look at the, the amount of backlash in Melanchthon after, after that project was approved, it's, at least from what we can tell, looking at the, the articles in the local newspaper, there wasn't all that much backlash. There was some concern that was expressed, but relative to the attention that current proposed projects are getting, there certainly wasn't very much backlash at all. So I'm wondering if the, the amount of backlash we see at some of these more recent wind farm, wind, wind development projects, if, uh, if that will translate into uh, to more of an observed impact on property values. It wouldn't surprise me. So I think that's, that's really where, uh, where I'd like to continue my research. Now I, I do have some additional data, sales data, to be able to extend this research. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do now is to take a look at some of these more recently developed wind farms to see if the effects are consistent with what we observed in Melanchthon or if there's going to be some difference there. Okay, so you mentioned that the literature has reached some different conclusions on your study. Could you further discuss these differences, and can these differences be overcome with future research? Yeah, so there there are some of those differences, and as I mentioned before, some of it is in part due to the, or at least it it appears to be a result of the the type of method used, Uh, but that's not even consistent across the method. If you look at the hedonic method, which which I used, most hedonic studies have not found evidence of negative impacts, but there there is at least one study that I'm aware of that has found some evidence, a study that was based in the state of New York. So they they didn't find negative evidence consistently across all locations, but there was some evidence, and that was kind of the first one, at least in the peer-reviewed literature, that had indicated a negative impact. Previous hedonic studies had not found any evidence of negative impacts. And whereas if you look at some of the the, uh, willingness-to-pay studies, they're certainly more likely to find negative impacts. So... So we have this variation in the, in the literature, which makes it hard to determine you know, what, what the impacts are going to be. Uh, and I think that's, that's why further research is going to be necessary, because each, each individual location where wind farms goes up, it's sort of a different story. You know, what's, how well it's received by the community, uh, how much community buy-in there is, uh, you know, the, the amount of backlash it gets. So that, I mean, even, even within Ontario, there's, there's a fair bit of variation in terms of what the, what the situation is as the wind farm develops. And I think that could contribute to, to the impacts. And that may be behind the varied results in previous studies, just how much... 
backlash was against it, how, how well people uh, perceived these turbines, you know, if they, if they were happy with the, the wind farm, they're happy with the, the revenue it was bringing to their community. I mean, that's, that's the other side of it, that uh, there, is, there are those types of benefits that go along with wind development as well that may factor into how people perceive them. So all this variation, I think, leads to the, the need for continued research. If you really want to know what the impact is going to be in a, in a given area, you kind of need to examine that area itself, distinct from any other area. Rich, I wanted to comment on your title of the paper that you recently published, which, by the way, there will be a link um, up to on this site that will allow you to go and look at this paper. And the title is The Effects of Wind Turbines on Property Values in Ontario. Does public perception match empirical evidence? It's a great question. Does public perception match empirical evidence? So in summary of kind of what you've just been presenting to myself and the class, what's the answer to that question? The answer is, well, for the most part, no. Uh, at least it doesn't match what is uh, the majority of, of public perception. I mean, there, there certainly are people that, I mean, that, we, that you can read comments you know, that, that come uh, online under stories on wind turbines. The majority of comments seem to be from people that believe that there are negative impacts of turbines. But there are comments from people who like the turbines. They have no problem with how they look. They, you know, may actually live by them and not be bothered by them or be willing to live by them. So I would say that the, the public perception isn't, uh, isn't consistent across all people. There, there certainly are those that don't have a problem with wind turbines, but it seems that the majority of people that you hear from do have an issue with it. So from that perspective, no, the, the empirical evidence, at least from this study, doesn't match the, uh, the public perception. Now, for those of you listening to this podcast, the first set of questions were questions that we worked together in a class in land economics to prepare for your presentation. What I'd like to do now is basically turn over the questions to students who might have um, developed questions in listening to this presentation or having thought from uh, thought more about this issue from our reading of your paper. Just while they think about that, I'll just ask a question. Um, have you had any, your, your paper was just recently published. So far as I know, it's one of the first, if not the first, peer review publication on this issue in the Economics Journal in Canada. Um, have you had much of a reaction to it? You know, I haven't had as much of a reaction as I would have expected, uh, just given the attention that this issue has received in Ontario. I haven't heard anything from uh, from the you know, the government, for example, uh, or from uh, you know wind concerns Ontario or, or any organizations like that. I haven't haven't had a response, and, and maybe that will come, and, and I certainly hope it does, because I want this research to kind of be a stepping stone to to further discussion on the issue in Ontario, and I don't and I also don't see this. This study is sort of the, the be-all and end-all of this issue. Well, this study finds no impacts, means none exist. Uh, I, don't, I don't look at it that way. I, I think this is just one step in, on, the, on the path to determining you know, what, what are the impacts here and, and how exactly are we going to address this issue. So I, I hope that this, uh, this study gets some more response, and, and I also hope to build on this study and, uh, and take, a, take a closer look at the, this issue across the province.
Hi, Megan Morgan. You mentioned earlier how you measured your proximity variable, and I was really interested on how you measured your ver uh, your visibility variable because you had three different stages, and how did that affect the public perception when they're looking at wind turbines in their area? Right, so how I measured the visibility variable was actually going out to the Melanchthon Township and driving around and going to each property that I had in the data set and assessing what the visibility of the nearest turbine looked like. So go to the property or as close as I could get to it and determine you know, how much of the wind turbine was visible. So I had a, a three-point scale, four-point if you include no visibility, but uh, it's a one-point if you could just kind of see a little bit of it, you know, maybe the tip of it above the trees. Uh, two points if you could see the, the, the hub of the turbine and three points if you could see most or all of the turbine. And the theory there is that you know, the more of the turbine you can see, likely the, the bigger the impact it might have on property values. If you can't see much of it, it's probably not going to affect your view much, so you may not perceive that to have a negative impact on your property. Hi, Richard. My name's Gabby Nichols. Um, I was wondering if you were aware of any other studies done in other regions or countries um, that preceded turbine development in Ontario, and if they had similar responses to Ontario, kind of the backlash that we saw here. Was it the same in, say, Germany or something like that? I'm... I'm not actually sure about how the uh, or what the response has been like in some of these other jurisdictions. Uh, I know here in Canada, you know, Ontario obviously has a fair bit of wind power, but uh, but Alberta has had it well before Ontario ever did. And in Alberta, they, they certainly haven't had anywhere near the kind of backlash that we've had here. It, it almost seemed to happen without anybody really saying a whole lot about it. And, and even now, I mean, there's there's a fair fair bit of wind power generation in southern Alberta, but there, there doesn't seem to, at least, at least I haven't heard of any issues that local residents have raised in terms of the, the impacts on property values. And, and I don't expect there to be either because those turbines have been there for quite a while now. In other jurisdictions, I mean, in, in the U.S., I have heard of yeah, so similar type of backlash, uh, you know, especially with, it, seem, it seems more recent wind, uh, wind farm developments have kind of had greater uh, backlash uh, following their, at least their announcement or suggesting that they're, they're going to go ahead with this plan. Um, so it, that, that seems to be more of the trend that I've seen is that, you know, as time goes on, the, the resistance to the development of wind power is getting stronger because of factors such as the impact on property values. Uh, just another question. Going back uh, when you were talking about future research needs, um, you uh, you mentioned how um, since the value of a house is largely subjective as we move into the future um, and more people hear about these uh, potential impacts, even though they may be from unreliable sources, um, you said it could become sort of a self-fulfilling uh, prophecy as we start to see these prices goes down. Uh, prices go down. So alternatively. Um, if you improve the access uh, to information, this information specifically, um, instead of sensationalist, sensationalist news stories, do you think that uh, the public perception could improve? So if more people essentially read this paper, um, do you see that improving um, public perception of it? I think it could help a little bit. Um, at the very least, it would sort of inform uh, you know, public opinion about these issues. But on the other hand, if people believe that there are these impacts, it really doesn't matter what 
research studies such as this one suggest. I mean, we saw that even with with the uh, Health Canada study on you know the linking wind turbines to health. Well, they didn't really find any significant linkages there. It was immediately dismissed, as I imagine this study will be as well by those that believe strongly in you know that there are these impacts. So I, I think it furthers a discussion, but I, I don't know that a study like this will turn things around in terms of public perception. I would hope that has at least some some impact on you know on how it's discussed, but but I think you know for those that that do believe there is a significant significantly negative impact on property values, this study isn't going to to change. I mean, there's certainly some limitations of this study, and I think because there's limitations, as there are with any study, that may be what gets focused on by those that believe there are negative impacts. Hi, my name is Katie Caldicott, and I was wondering, how would your results help policymakers or municipal councils decide how to manage wind turbines or whether to install them? Well, I would I would hope they at least take a look and, and consider the, the results of the study. I, I think you, you know I think I think municipalities do need to have a, you know to get some sense as to what the potential impacts are going to be, not just on property values, but on you know the economy of the municipality as a whole uh, when they're when they're considering these. So I would hope they would at least consider it, and uh, and you know when they're I guess they're not really the ones. Uh, in essence, deciding whether it's going to happen or not. I think they can decide whether they're going to be a willing host or not, but uh, ultimately it seems more recently that the municipalities themselves aren't the ones that are going to be able to say yes or no. Um, they may put up some resistance, but um, but at the very least I would hope that this would help in their in their discussion whether they think it would be good for the municipality or not. Would anybody else in the class like to ask a follow-up question? I have a question. Does anybody here live close to wind turbines? Yeah. So how how close? Um, so I live about ten minutes away from wind turbine farms near Port Burwell, um, but it's a ten minute drive, so I can't actually see them. Right. But have you noticed or heard anything about you know sort of what the perception is in that area? Um, there's always rumors going around, oh, it's making people sick mentally, um, things like that. But overall, when they first came to town, everyone was quite excited. Right. And that was, that was a few years ago, right? That was one of the, that was one of the first uh, wind, wind farms that were put up in Ontario. Hi, I just have a quick question because you mentioned that some studies have shown that there was more sales in the post uh, time period of the turbines, and you mentioned that in your study this was a limitation. And I was just wondering how much more? Like, is there like a real significant change in magnitude of the amount of sales? Like, would it be double, triple? Actually, it's quite a, quite a bit more. Uh, for example, the study that came out this year from Rhode Island uh, had about three thousand sales that were within one mile of the turbines. Um, it's, it's a little different setting there. It's, not, it's, it's mostly individual turbines in, uh, in, that, that are considered in this study rather than a wind farm where, you know, in the example of Melanchthon, there's 132 or 133 turbines. Um, so this is a little different setting. But yes, they had, they had uh, 
considerably more sails that are within uh, close proximity of the turbines. And, and as well, a, a study that came out of the U- another study in the U.S., kind of looking all across the U.S., had it was over a thousand sails that were within again one mile of the turbine. So, yeah. So a couple more recent studies that uh, that have also. You know, that, that are not bound by the same limitation, I think, and produce similar results. So, and that's the thing, like, uh, I mean, I think it's important to acknowledge the limitations of, of these studies, and I, I think that the argument could be made, well, there's not enough there to, or people might suggest there's not enough sales in close proximity to, to generate significant impacts, and I'm not quite sure that that's the case, uh, as, you know, the, the study that was done in New York State had probably similar numbers of sales that were in you know within the same distance ranges and did find some significant impacts um, but also another you know another consideration is that there may be an individual property here or there for whatever reason seems to be negatively impacted and you know or can't sell and so you know so the owners of that place might argue with the results of this study and i think that's fair enough but i think uh, the results suggest that overall you know for properties that are close by there there really isn't much of an impact but the the hedonic method sort of you know estimates a, an, an average effect across all affected properties so that's not to say that one of those properties is not negatively impacted if uh, you know even if the rest of the properties are not so that that possibility may exist and that's something that's more, you know, I mean, you can look at it more anecdotally there, but, uh, but, but overall I think the results of this study are encouraging just from the fact that, you know, it, it gives you an, an average effect, and that average effect in this case doesn't seem to be any, anything significant. Hi, my name's Katie again, and uh, I live about half an hour away from wind turbines located in Tiverton, and I can still see the lights flickering at night, and I was wondering how far of the distance did you go in your studies to see the effects of wind turbines? In the Melanchthon area, I went about five kilometers away, and I went during the daytime. Uh, obviously, it's a better time to go to uh, to be able to observe, uh, to be able to actually see the turbines. But um, as I was driving around there, I found that five kilometers, you know, given the landscape there, was about the extent of the visibility. You know, at five kilometers, you could, if you could see it, you could barely see it, and it was kind of such that it didn't really impact your your view shed. But I wasn't there at night, so I don't know what it looked like in terms of the the lights flashing. Dr. Richard Vine, thank you so much for coming and spending time with our class and doing this podcast, which I'm sure will be of great interest to those in Ontario, throughout Canada, and throughout the world. Thank you very much. Thanks. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us at Fair Talk. We hope you will continue to check our website for updates and the latest podcasts. 